When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Everybody, this is uh, Jacob Daniel. This is the Daniel Three Podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, do some plugs quick. I'm not used to, you know, I've been doing so many live streams that now that I'm getting back into doing some recording, uh, pre-recorded episodes, I forget to like do things the way I normally do. Um, just a few plugs before I uh, get started. One, um, if you haven't watched the episode already. I uh, really would recommend watching uh, the episode I just did with uh, James Gentleman of the Blackbird Podcast. Um, that's up on anything you're listening to right now, most likely, whether it's YouTube or you know Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, etc. Um, so if you haven't listened to that episode, uh, give that episode a listen to, and then you should definitely follow and subscribe to James. Uh, and, and the Blackbird podcast. I'm going to be on his show again next week. If you want to catch that episode like right after it drops, you have to be a premium subscriber to his show, which is like $7 a month. Um, and if you do that, uh, you'll be able to watch the episode like right after we do it. Otherwise, you'll be waiting close to a month to, to listen to that. So i um, excited to do that. Um, I do have a new... Uh, uh, premium subscriber thing that I'm I'm getting going myself. Um, I'm starting to look into monetizing the podcast a little bit. I don't really do this for the money. I've never thought that I'm going to make a career out of being a full time podcaster. I have nothing against that, but that's never been my plans, and they still aren't my current plans. But I do want the project to be successful and for my voice to be heard. Um, and the message primarily to be heard because I don't really care about me and my voice. I just care about the principles of liberty and I care about a uh, trying to get more Christians to you know hear the principles and the philosophy of libertarianism and Christian anarchism. Um, and then too, even for people that aren't religious, I want that message to be out there. I want them to see a face of Christianity that is maybe different than uh, what they're used to. And you know, I think that 
the lessons and stories in the Bible can still be valuable. Uh, the framework can be valuable, even for those who find themselves more on the agnostic or atheist side, or maybe they're just a different religion. Um, so yeah, I have the premium subscriber, uh, feed. I haven't put any content up there yet, but I plan on at least twice a month, uh, doing little more like personal episodes where I'm not really talking about philosophy or anarchism or economics or religion, but rather I talk about like things in my personal life, whether they be anecdotes, whether they be like from my past things that are going on right now. Um, maybe things more of a personal nature. Um, and, and then also if I have guests that we want to talk about something that's just a little bit more off topic, um, a little more niche, you know, that's where that stuff's going to be. And then I also want to, you know, interact with my, uh, my followers more. So if you become a premium subscriber, uh, plan on, you know, trying to, once we have enough people, you know, even if it's just three or four of us, I don't really care just, you know, to get together and talk maybe once a month, you know, on zoom or Google chats or whatever. And, uh, you know, I, I like to hear from people, get feedback, things that they like that I'm doing, things that they, things that they think I can do better on, you know, ideas that they have for content. Um, and just, uh, you know, it's encouraging to hear back from people about, uh, you know, how the kind of, you know, content that I'm putting out there and the message, how it resonates with them. And some people have already done that in comments and send me messages privately and stuff. And you know, that, that means a lot. It really does guys. So I, I deeply appreciate all of you. Um, I'm not in this for the money, but if I, you know, money's a tool to me and if I can, you know, generate some money out of, out of this show to just help grow it more, because, you know, if I want to grow it past a certain point, it will require investing more money into it. And, um, I like my day job. I have no plans on quitting it to be a full-time podcaster right now, but I don't want to divert too much of my own, you know, personal income that's from my family into this. So for it to grow to a certain point, um, I will, you know, have to start asking for at least people to contribute enough so I can break even. If I ever made more money than I needed to, um, you know, from, from the podcast, like I, I was making enough to put back into it, to grow it. And there was money left over. I, you know, my plan would be to start finding charities to donate it to, or working with some kind of nonprofit, you know, something like that. Um, so, um, intros and plugs out of the way. Oh, obviously Daniel 318com you know, if you haven't checked that out yet, definitely go check that out. Um, yeah, I think that's it for plugs and, and introductions. Uh, now, can I remember what the heck I wanted to talk about? I had something I wanted to talk about. Um, oh, that's right. I wanted to talk about why not both is is the name of this episode. Um, I'm going to be re- <laughs> uh, referencing, like I did in my last episode, Jose Galison, uh fellow podcaster, uh, host of the No Way Jose podcast. Really great guy. And um, we... We have a lot of friendly disagreements and conversations and, um, you know, the, the, the arguments we have are never in bad faith and they're never hostile. They're always, you know, we're, we're, we're like brothers bickering, but in a, in a good way. So, but, um, he does not like this. I know he, he will be a little irritated, but I wanted to talk about this and expound upon my thoughts because it's something that came up in the conversation I had with James, uh, just yesterday, um, from my point of view recording this right now. So 
why not both? And I'm referring to political action and agorism. So now I feel like I even need to just do a little bit of introduction into just like why political action in general, because I feel like for a lot of anarchists and a lot of Christian anarchists, the idea that a anarchist or Christian anarchist would see any utility in engaging in politics and be not be morally barred and be morally inconsistent or at least philosophically inconsistent if they engaged in, in politics. Um, you know, those are definitely the, the criticisms that I get thrown my way a lot, you know, plenty, uh, most, most infamously by, uh, my, my friend Craig of the bad Roman project. And, um, he's another person who, you know, we're friends. we, our disagreements are sometimes not as good natured as the ones I have with Jose, but we're still allies at the end of the day. So I try to not take things too personally. But, um, you know, the arguments for agorism, I think, line up with Christianity beautifully. And I'm a big fan of agorism. I think that there are limitations to what agorism can do, though. And I don't think that counter economics, I think, I think counter economics are great for increasing liberty in your own life and they can be good for like you know living a, an example to people to show how the principles work and to show how you don't have to rely on the state like i i think agorism is a a beautiful idea and something that we should implement and i try to implement in my life but famously agorism is opposed to politics and you know um, it is a little bit of a historical, uh, you know, slap in the face to agorism for me to say, why not both? Because agor agor agorism was proposed as a, you know, um, an opposing idea to politics. And really, it is philosophically inconsistent to um, do politics and agor agorism. But at the same time, and I'm going to borrow a line I got from Jose, actually. Um, don't let your principles rule you or don't be don't don't be um, a servant to your principles or to your philosophy, but rather your philosophy and principles should serve you. And while I would not necessarily think that applies to Christianity, because I think that the principles that God uh, prescribes in the Bible are definitely things that I need to be in submission to. Um, subsequent like human philosophies and ideas are ideas that can be of great utility, but I don't need to be in submission to them. Like, oh, well, there's great utility here, but you can't do it because you're, you're in, you're philosophically inconsistent with it. I don't think that that really matters at the end of the day for something like agorism. Um, I think that actually in, in my view, Agorism pairs well with the political strategy I have. And the way I describe my political strategy is actually, I, I like to compare it to agorism. Um, so, and again, I'm, I'm repeating a lot of what I talked about last night. So that's why I said definitely watch that episode. But um, to me, the Mises Caucus that I'm a part of, the Libertarian Mises Caucus, and the true role of the Libertarian Party should be to be a counter-political party. It shouldn't be playing the same game that the Republicans and the Democrats play, but rather we should be, um, you know, kind of like engaging in the same arena, but what we're doing is like playing the game the wrong way, but on purpose. 
And, you know, it's funny, like there have been people like, like Matt Erickson, uh, Jason Stapleton, others in this like post libertarian, uh, little niche that have criticized us because we're playing politics the wrong way. And it's like, okay, well, yes, we are, but there's a purpose for that. You know what I mean? Like we're kind of engaging in, you know, kind of like agorism is black and gray markets. Libertarian politics should be engaging in gray and black politics. If you can imagine such a thing, you know what I mean? Like we're not trying to gain political power. Um, I was in a conversation with, uh, in a private chat earlier today where a friend of mine, you know, kind of tongue in cheek made a point at me about, you know, uh, um, the, the Mises caucus being like, oh, we'll just try to get the right rulers in and, you know, we'll, we'll, libertarian party will win freedom. It's like, that's not, I was like, you know, or it, actually it was a meme. Uh, I'm rem- remembering more about the conversation now. It was like the Mises caucus strategy is like going into the Death Star in Star Wars and like saying, we're going to, we're going to go apply for jobs in the Death Star and change the Death Star from within. It's like, well, and I replied to him, well, no, actually, I, 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 if that was our strategy, that would be rightfully stupid and something to be called out. But actually what I think our strategy is, what anti-politics is to me, is a, an analogy using the, the Death Star here for a moment. The analogy would be that it's kind of like putting on the Stormtrooper outfit to be able to sneak through the Death Star undetected and to you can accomplish a lot of things. You can sabotage the thing from the inside. You can rescue people. You can um, learn more about your enemy, see things coming so that you can plan ahead. And you can also, um, this this analogy, you know, all analogies fall a little bit short. But to me, engaging in politics gives you one thing else that doesn't quite go with the Star Wars analogy here. But it gives you a, a soapbox. It gives you a additional platform by which you can interact with people. Um, now, I know, listen, I'm not saying that waking people up to the nature of the state like inherently makes the individual more free and there's it's not even that it makes society more free in a direct causal faction but there is definitely a causality and have and or a you know a strong correlation between culture and politics right politics is downstream of culture that doesn't mean politics never affects culture um they actually like you know using the stream analogy if politics is downstream of culture, imagine for instance, like if, if, uh, politics was a, to like down the, the part of the stream that is downstream, if you built a dam down there, then what, you know, the dam will build up the water and slow the current. So it's, it, you know, the, I, it's actually a good analogy and some people misunderstand it because they think that it means that, um, politics doesn't affect culture. And that's not true. Things downstream can definitely affect you, kind of like building a dam or um, if if like there's some kind of earthquake or some kind of, I don't know, erosion, and then the river forks off into like a new path. You know, things downstream from you, sorry, I keep forgetting to silence my phone when I'm doing this. Uh, things downstream from you can absolutely affect you. But the point is, is that although the downstream can ca- have an effect, in general, what happens upstream has more of a uh, there, there's there's a higher dominating effect of what happens upstream to what happens downstream than the other way around. So, um, because politics is downstream of culture, we obviously are never going to have a freer society 
if it's a bunch of people who don't believe in freedom. And what I mean by that is a free society that lasts. Because yes, you can, you know, maybe in small ways ward off certain tyrannies through, you know, like let's look at what's happening in Florida right now and people using the state to ban mask mandates or to ban the teaching of critical race theory or to ban COVID passports, um, things like that. Um, that is, you know, a bit of a mixed bag. I, I, I'm okay with nullification and decentralization and stuff, but I don't know if I'm a fan of, you know, trading. I mean, I guess like in the grand scheme of things, uh, trading the federal government having overreached into private businesses for state governments having overreached into private entities and businesses is a better trade, I suppose. But I don't know if that's going to be something I put my faith in. And I don't know if that's really what I would call anti-politics. To me, that is playing politics um, in, in a way that is not libertarian. And the problem I have with that isn't that it's not effective. The problem I have with it is time preference and that what you're doing is focusing so much on the short-term consequences and, and, and just your immediate needs that you're not giving any considerations about long-term planning. And, you know, it's funny, people like Jason Stapleton, Mac, J- J- Jason Stapleton and, um, and Matt and others talk about growing your wealth. It's like, well, you know, to grow your wealth, you kind of have to have a good time preference to realize that certain investments are not going to pay off right away, that certain things have to, you know, you, you have to be patient on and you can't just let uh, urgency in the market control control you or like, you know, uh, trigger you into acting in a super high time pre- preference uh, fashion because then you can get drew in, uh, d- drawn into these like boomer busts where like, yeah, you make a bunch of money quick, but then you lose a bunch of money quick. Whereas I think most people would agree, you know, in the financial world that the best way to build wealth is kind of like, you know, slow and steady wins the race. And um, you build that wealth up organically and naturally where it becomes self-sustaining. And that is what I mean by an anti-political movement. It's sort of like what we're trying to do in the Mises Caucus and through the LP. And we're trying to really, the LP, I had this conversation with Karen Ann Harlos, and I'm going to get her back on because I want to get more into explaining the history of the Libertarian Party, and she's great for that. But really the founders meant it for it, the party to be an anti-political party. And that's what the Mises Caucus is trying to get us back to. And it's the idea of, like, we're playing in those spheres, but we're not playing the same game at all. We're hijacking those power structures to use them, yes, in unintended fashion. So it doesn't mean you can't accomplish your goal. I mean, listen, a car is not intended to ram into a building, right? Like, the the engineers that designed the cars, they didn't design them like, hey, this is, these are great uh, inventions of ours that we can advertise as, hey, do you need to blow a hole in the side of a building? Buy our car. Like, no, they're not designed for that at all. But guess what? You can, you know, get a bus or a truck or even a car, SUV, and if you need to, you know, bust a hole wide open in the side of a building you know, drive towards the wall at 60 miles per hour, jump out last second. Yeah, I mean, you know, you'll accomplish your goal. And, and in the same way, yeah, we can play the game in a way that it's not designed because things that are implements of force 
can be used in ways even if they're unorthodox. You can use a baseball bat to beat somebody up. It's not really meant for that, but you can use it for that. Um, you know, you can build a house out of toothpicks or something. I mean, there's so many, you know, I'm not saying there aren't certain ways to do it that would be ineffective, but I think that the Mises caucus strategy is effective because the only political moves that we want to make are anti-political. They're decentralizing power. They're putting power back in the hands of local counties, local states, and to the people themselves. And at the same time that we're doing that and promoting that, because that's not even an end goal, but what the end goal is of agorism and politics has to be to change the culture because otherwise we're just, we're forever doomed. Or, and even if we are forever doomed, the more libertarian the culture, the better. I, I just think, you know, it, I'm kind of quoting Dave Smith here a little bit, but like where you can't really make a good argument that the best way to create more liberty is to have less people who believe in liberty. So when I say an anti-political movement, engaging in anti-politics, you know, the, what, what is the game of politics? The game of politics is where you promise people a bunch of free stuff, you tell them a bunch of lies, you're corrupt, you sell out to donors and lobbyists and special interest groups, and you gain power for yourself so that you can use that power uh, to push your agenda, which is really, at the end of the day, the agenda of the people who put you there and the agenda of the party that you're a part of and, and the collective interests of that party and really of the, you know, the two parties are much more aligned in their interests than um, they care to admit. Anti-politics is about using those power structures to uh, thwart the state as much as we can. And while doing so, we advertise what we are doing and then we advertise our philosophy and our ideals and we create a culture around that. And that, and those two things combined, uh, they draw people in because they can see that our principles can work. They like the idea of, of decentralization and, and stuff when you uh, explain it to them. Like, hey, you're getting more power back in your hands. You, you can deal with government officials that are more, uh, more easily held accountable. And you start getting people thinking along the idea, ideals of self-governance. And then, here, here's the cool part. This is why I say, why not both? You, in that culture, you talk to them about agorism. And you show them, hey, we don't just uh, promulgate the ideas of anti-politics to resist the state and grow the movement. Here's ways you can get more free in your own life. By the way, here's more ways you can accumulate wealth to make your families more secure and safe and free. Like these things are not at odds with each other. And I'm not saying we can't have good faith disagreement. And listen, if somebody uh, disagrees with me, I'm not saying that they don't have a right and that I don't want them to come to me and challenge me. But um, so this isn't about me saying, we can't ever have these discussions, but I think that we need to realize that these discussions should be in good faith and they should be secondary. And, you know, like my counter criticism to people who are criticizing my idea is that we're going to get a lot more done 
if we focus on working together and just realizing that there's a division of labor here, then if we waste our time criticizing people, we're like, well, I think that your strategy is dumb for these reasons and I wouldn't do it. It's like, well, you know what? Like, you know, the market is impossible to centrally plan. And so is getting to liberty. It's impossible to centrally plan. But what you can do is, you know, well, I mean, this is what the Mises Caucus is doing. This is what I do as a state organizer. This is what we do is we get people involved, not just in politics, but like in our discussion groups and stuff and the culture we create, we're talking about agorism. We're talking about cryptocurrency. We're talking about ways to, you know, nobody's joining our caucus and going, man, you know, being poor is fucking great. <laughs> yeah. I, I hate, I hate making money. I don't want to, I don't want any more money. I don't want to find ways to become more financially independent. No, we, we talk about that and we share ideas and we, we, um, we were able to grow as a community together and the libertarian party is a great banner to uh, like a lighthouse to attract people of like mind to. So, you know what? Like why not both? I should really say why not all three? Because we have three ideas here actually. Now we have the, you know, wealth influence and power. We have agorism and we have politics and guess what? I don't have to choose just one of those. And I don't even have to just choose two of those. Now, you know, there might be one I favor and maybe like, okay, I put 50% or 60% of my effort into one of these and the other two I, I put, you know, less into. And maybe for you, those, you know, ratios are different. You're like, oh, well, you know, I only, I show up and I vote for libertarian candidates and stuff and I'll share their posts and stuff like that and I'll donate to the caucus or whatever. But most of my efforts focused on agorism and growing my own wealth. It's like, hey man, that's great. No, no problem here. And, you know, uh, I think the other, you know, I guess the last criticism I want to touch on is that people say, well, you're muddying the message when you engage in politics at all, even if it's counter politics. I, I think at the end of the day, people are not unattracted to libertarianism because of some kind of muddying of the message. Like, I mean, when... If I tell somebody, you know, it's like no one was confused that Han Solo and Luke Skywalker wanted to blow up the Death Star by saying, but you guys were in there, you know, a day ago wearing stormtrooper uniforms. So how much can you really want to destroy the Death Star? Like, no, that's a dumb argument. It's like if I'm, this is a good argument that my friend Sam made on the podcast like a couple months back. It's like, if I see that there's a train on a track and like a mile down the road, they are, uh, heading towards like, you know, there's a, an obstacle there or the track ends, you know, a bridge collapsed or whatever. And I'm like on horseback or in a car or something. And I'm going as fast as I can to catch up with them and get their attention to stop. What if the people on that train said, oh, you know, this guy's lying. There's no way he believes that there's, that we're in imminent danger, that there's danger at the end of this track because he's going down the same direction we are. You know, it's like a lot of times we make really bad arguments in the libertarian movement. And I'm, I think it's, you know, it's, it's easy to make ideas sound good in your head, but then you need to logically analyze them. There's this funny joke that I like to use as an example. And it's this kind of like a little skit. So it's like, uh, someone asks you like, you know, what is eight minus four? And you go, well, the answer is eight. They go, 
that no that's that's dumb mate i don't know what you're talking about a eight minus four can't equal eight like no it does look you have eight you take away the four so the four is not there anymore so all you're left with is the eight you had eight minus four the four went away all you're left with is the eight you know like that that joke is kind of funny and then if you think about it it's like well you know in a weird word like you're in this weird word game semantic game that you're playing yes that's kind of right but in terms of actual mathematics no you're completely wrong and i think that's what a lot of libertarians do with their arguments is that they make these arguments that are like oh well you if you engage in politics at all you know if you resist the state at all through politics you're you're not an anarchist or you're muddying the message it's like am i really or is it just that i'm asking people to use more than two brain cells to analyze something. And yeah, I get that a lot of people are maybe not super intelligent and might not like maybe some people might call you out on it. But I think the vast majority, when you say, listen, I'm only engaging this in this thing as a retali as a retaliation and as a, as a way to resist as a way to speak to more people about these things and to, to try to end it, you know, then I don't think most people are going to go, yeah, but, you know, your arguments made total sense until you told me that you engaged in politics. And now that's the reason why I, I won't I don't accept your arguments. It's probably more likely that your arguments just haven't been good enough to persuade them yet. And you're you know, people are it's all about time preference. People expect that, you you know, you can convince somebody in one conversation and, you know, it takes multiple conversations, probably from multiple people over time. And you got to give people information. They have to stew on it, have more life experience. Um, you know, some people have their minds changed quickly and for some it's a slow thing. There are probably lots of people will never change their minds, um, on Liberty, but we don't need everybody's mind to be changed. I mean, truthfully, we don't, we get, you know, even 10, 20% of the population completely on board with libertarian principles and really it's game over. It really is. So, well, (sighs) Yeah. In summary. Yeah. For me, it's, I'm sorry. I know this upsets some people. They think it's, you know, contradictory, but I don't think it is for me. It really is. Why not both? Why not all three? As I came to the conclusion of, um, you know, we can, we can chew bubble gum and walk at the same time. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, we can, we can, you know, engage in anti-political, uh, activism and, uh, Sorry, counter political. We can engage in counter politics and counter economics and grow our wealth. And I think doing all of those in your own life and then all of us doing it together in this uh, market of libertarian activism, you know, we're, we are, you know, I'm getting more and more white pilled as time goes on. You know, I, I really think that we are incredibly capable of creating a more libertarian future if we we work together on this stuff and we spend less time, you know, criticizing people on what their subjective preferences have led them to decide is the best use of time for them. Because, I mean, again, it's like, how can I criticize somebody to say you're wrong for doing this when it's their life? I mean, if they're not hurting anybody, it's like, I mean, I'm not saying you can't have an opinion, but recognize it's an opinion and that, you know, you you can't say for sure you know what's best for that person to be doing. You know what I mean? What if somebody had told Ron Paul to... Uh, I'm sorry, no, I can't talk about Ron Paul. It's the sacred cow. <laughs> but, 
Um, but yeah, I think you guys get what I'm saying. I'm at 30 minutes here, so those are my thoughts. Why not both? That's what my opinion is. Feel free to agree or disagree. Uh, praise me or bash me in the comments. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't hate when people criticize me. I just, I dish it back. <laughs> it's, uh, it's in good fun. And I think iron sharpens iron as the Bible says. Thanks everybody for uh, listening and, uh, you know, like share, subscribe, all that good stuff. And, uh, um, yeah, have a good night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.